Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, I've been waiting for this one for a long, long time. Uh, what's my one word slash phrase for this um, particular episode would be holy grail. Um, for 25, 30 years of my career, we've been talking about saving energy and being more efficient and, and doing what's right for the planet. And I have always been a proponent of this particular topic, which is low voltage, power over Ethernet, other low voltage systems where we can take the architecture that has been with us for what hundreds of years. Um, uh, I forgot when Tesla and uh, Edison went to battle, but uh, AC, alternating current one. And for all those years, we've been dealing with uh, a technology that has evolved. Um, but if you just think about it, the laptop or the device you're watching um, on could very well, in fact, be low voltage that's converted to AC, which uh, tells me that, that that PC could be actually running native low voltage and saving an awful lot of energy. So my journey started um, a while back, uh, 2004. Um, so we were in Tokyo and we were actually going Tokyo, Seoul, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore. And we were um, looking at smart buildings and we were at one building in, in Tokyo, Panasonic headquarters, where they had an innovation lab. And I was shown a picture or I was shown a table lamp that was actually plugged into an RJ45. And it actually uh, lit the light and it was registered, registered on the network. And since then, um, my journey has never been the same. I've been an absolute proponent of low voltage. Uh, we've been having conversations at the conference forever. And um, uh, it's I am so proud, so happy, so pleased to bring this group in today that is literally going to show uh, that this is no longer just an idea that it's really working. So Ian, why don't we bring everybody in? Let me do a light intro for everybody. This is also, we're breaking some ground. We're, we've never had eight folks on the screen. Um, so we are definitely pushing the envelope. Um, there we go. We've now set a record for Realcom Live. Eight, I think we're pushing the, the system to its limits, which we like to do. And if we fail, we don't care um, because you never advance without failing. And I'm sure all of you can realize that. So let me do a quick introduction. And then I'm going to have you go around and tell a little bit more about yourself. So we got Alonza Carr, CTO of Car Properties, Farouk Aslam, CEO of Sinclair Digital, Steve Cochran, VP of Integrated Systems SLI, Kim Johnson, Chief Marketing Officer for MHT Lighting, Derek Coburn, CEO of Lumen Cash, Tyler Andrews, CEO of POE Texas, and Jim Baldwin, CEO of Dogmatic. Um, I got to tell you, before we get started, um, everybody take some screenshots because this is in my opinion, the group of people, the group of organizations who are going to lay the foundation for the adoption of low voltage as an alternative to AC uh, in buildings. And in 10 years, let's come back to this photo and see where these people are, because I think they're going to be at the cusp and the forefront of pushing these technologies. So I feel honored to have you. And with that, Kim, let's start with you. Just let's go around the clock, give a little intro of yourself sure. and, and, and your, your uh, uh, position as far as low voltage lighting and all low voltage everything for that matter uh, has to do with buildings. Thank you, Jim. I've been involved in the PUE world since about 2015. So I've, I've seen some of the evolution as well. Today, I am Chief Marketing Officer at MHT Technologies. We, um, we own the Inspector brand, which is a smart buildings platform that uses the PUE backbone to bring things onto essentially the internet of things into one spot for you to manage and control your building. You get your data, um, you get your, your information. And 
that all came from this idea that we need to build buildings today that work for tomorrow as well. So we've incorporated these principles into our vision for our inspector software. We also have a history with MHT lighting because we were some of the first manufacturers of PoE-based and low-voltage lighting, lighting fixtures. And I moonlight as well as the president of the PoE Consortium, which is a group of partners, competitors, um, everyone in the space who really wants to join together to promote and advocate for power over Ethernet-based um, technology in our buildings. So glad to have you part of, of our Thank community and, and helping pushing this, this concept forward. Steve? Hello, yes, uh, Steve, EVP uh, over at uh, SLI and the Integrated Systems Group. Um, I come to the, my background is really from the telco industry, so we were always DC-based. Um, even our transport uh, fiber and all our nodes, everything's everything runs on DC. So moving into the built environment was a bit of a shocker. Um, but also with SLI, we, we, we design and build buildings, uh, very innovative. Uh, we do panelized construction in a factory and we stack our, our modules and our buildings together. We're constantly innovating and changing things. Um, I joined them in 2017 and, and really had to play catch up on, on how we were gonna deploy and design. And it started really with fiber and DC power running connected devices um, and then just grew from there. And again, where we survive on our partners and their innovations, and we push some of them, like Jim Baldwin, to to really uh, to really uh, go along. But but also collaborating. So you know, there nothing's off the table for us to drive on DEC. So low hanging fruit, we're lighting fans, it just doesn't matter. Um, and so you know, my big challenge is to weigh all the technology and then uh, versus the cost of how we're doing it today and and, and how this is going. Um, price of copper, price of labor. Um, all bodes well for us in this environment because we're dealing with with uh, class two wiring that's it's easy to install it uh, doesn't cost that much and and it's easy for us to place it in the factory versus uh, ac in the field and, and, and as we're going to hear a little bit what makes you special is you're not just a technology player but you're the, a real estate developer as well meaning you understand both sides and in fact you're not just innovating on the low voltage side you're innovating on the construction side where you're pre-manufacturing the building in a factory and moving it to the site. So SLI is a company to keep an eye on and, and we're just proud and happy to have you part of this conversation. Thank you. Derek. Oh, hey everyone. I am Derek Coburn, CEO of Blooming Cash. Um, actually, I've been involved in Realcom for many years because my first job out of college was managing the 50 building North Pharmaceutical Campus. So I've, I've been in commercial systems and building automations, energy management for um, a while and then I went to residential systems and so the domain experience has really helped to develop what you see here the the biggest challenges that I've seen is the rapid obsolescence problem and I'm sure as many of you are property managers or building owners or you know the new build to rent market you know you're all looking at how can we select the best technology that's not going to be gone in a few years and replaced with something we have to do a wholesale replacement. So the nature of what LumenCash is and uniqueness is how it adapts to essentially any protocol and any standard. And as we talk about DC systems, it was always in the beginning, there was no standards and now there's too many standards. So, you know, being able to essentially adapt to any standard is a key requirement for, I think, a long-term success in a new platform. And I love being next to all these other great players in the industry because 
you know, we are all achieving what the market needs to go. The direction has always been in this way. And I remember so well, you know, when I first started doing this in 2010, people looked at me like I had two heads, like, this is crazy. That's never going to happen. You know, same thing Jim was commenting about when he introduced this thing. It was just so bizarre to see this. But this is real. I mean, this is a commodity product almost. And I would say it is. I mean, the adoption rate is so fast. It's, it's exponentially fast. So it just shows that once you solve the problem and you check all the boxes, um, this is going to definitely transform the industry. Yeah, I remember, Derek, I don't know what year it was, but it was a while back where you came with your James Bond suitcase with your first prototype in it. And I believe I still have that. So hopefully someday it's going to be worth a lot of money when I sell it to the low voltage museum <laughs> that, that the POE consortium is going to uh, is going to design, right? Yeah. Um, Farouk, little background. Yes, my name is Farouk Aslam, CEO of Sinclair Digital. I'm also a developer of uh, mainly luxury hotels. So we started learning about POE powered lighting back in 2016, then moved into window shades, mini bars, and small TVs. Uh, these days, I'm very passionate about the entire air conditioning system within my building run on power over ethernet cables and as steve mentioned earlier copper prices are going up so in one word we are about sustainability and um, a big part of sustainability is elim eliminating copper both from electrical conductors and the um, refrigerant lines you know which is a big big using uh, using copper there um, i was at an ahr conference this past week monday and there's some cool products like pex type of line sets to replace um, 500 PSI copper tubing for refrigerant. So I'm very, very optimistic that the next couple of years, you'll see some amazing innovation in our projects, where not only they're POE powered air conditioning, but there's no copper being used. In it. Right. And I, I was just blown away when you shared with me that you're working with some manufacturers to develop low voltage mini fridge uh, units for hotel rooms. I mean, if you think about that, I mean, being able to take an RJ45 and power a, little, a mini fridge is revolutionary. So we got to also, as I think you're doing, getting the manufacturers in line with this. It's it's a Heroculean task, but all of you seem to be up for it. Um, Jim Baldwin, some background. Uh, hi, I'm, so I'm Jim Baldwin. I'm CEO of Domatic. And, uh, so what Domatic is about is doing uh, building an intelligent power system for smart buildings. And we, we like to say that we're sneaking uh, building automation in through a new, better way of doing the wiring in the first place. So uh, I got into this. I think I'm going to say back at my when I started my career at Apple um, in the early days where you know they sort of taught us to bend technology to people instead of forcing people to bend to technology. And I worked on a technology there called Firewire which was a contemporary of USB and really kind of the original gangsta way of combining power and data on a single cable. So that has always kind of stuck in the back of my head as I've gone through my career. And a few years ago, I got an opportunity to work on a, a project to use power over ethernet to power an, an apartment building. And we built, and we still operate a building in Oakland, California using uh, that technology we use. But the learnings from that project Tell, told us that despite the fact that PoE was a huge improvement over Romex, there were still some things that we could do. And being engineers, we couldn't help ourselves. And we decided to design something that uh, improved upon some of the challenges that we had with that project. So that's what led to what we're building at Domatic. 
I mean, your background at Apple it, it, you know, and the level of sophistication that is required when you take something at scale, like like an iPhone um, or any Apple product for that matter, I, I got to believe that that's somewhere in the back of your head that this stuff has to be so easy, so nailed down that if we're going to really deploy it in, at any kind of scale, we got to get it figured out. And then and that, that's bulletproof. great. That's bulletproof. Absolutely. Tyler? Thank you, Jim. So my background is as the CEO of PUE Texas, I came from the building owner's side. My first 15 years of my career were with ExxonMobil and iFly, building facilities for owners. And when I left iFly, I was looking for where is the technology going in the future? What is the next iteration and direction it needs to go? And that's where I found power over Ethernet. I realized very quickly that this is going to be one of those fundamental technologies that's been converging for 20 years and is going to keep going for another 20 years. So we've been driving power Ethernet technology for the smart building since then, taking advantage of PoE for USB type C, PoE lighting on automation, high power PoE. And it's an exciting field. I agree with you, Jim, that this is really it's time and even past time for this technology to become the standard. Yeah. And, and on, on, you know, leashing or, or changing the trajectory of AC, which I still believe will have a, a place in our world, you know, for years and years to come. But, but when you look at all the applications that run on low voltage natively um, and, and that, you know, the ones that Farouk is playing with, with uh, mini fridges, and I understand irons and laptops, these are all native low voltage. So why should we plug, plug them into this brick and put them into this AC architecture and waste all this electricity? It's, it's using a, a, a hundred pound, you know, a hammer when we should be using a laser point. And uh, I think you guys are, are the beginning of that laser. Um, Ilan, why don't you give us some background on, on what you're doing at CAR as well? So Ilan Zakar, I'm Chief Technology Officer for CAR Properties. We're an owner operator of uh, commercial office buildings, Metro DC, Boston and um, and um, Boston and Austin, Texas, um, and uh, the the last uh, you know I've been playing around with power over Ethernet for and, and low voltage for a while, but uh, last year we received a 4,200 square foot space that um, no one wanted to lease, and uh, what we ended up doing is uh, converting it into an innovation innovation lab and uh, and a showroom. And what you see over here is the lab itself. The lights in the middle, we're waiting for more lights to come in to light it up. But the lights on the side are low voltage uh, POE lighting or have our analytics side of it that we'll be able to see what those lights are doing. Uh, behind it is a VR and metaverse uh, station where we're playing around with. And on the left-hand side, you see our garden, which we're playing around with. Um, and for us, low voltage is um, as an education because uh, you know our, our you know we have to deal with education to our uh, uh, to our management and to our board to understand it uh, so they can actually approve these projects that we want to move forward with. Um, and then we, but we're also making use of all of our IOTs uh, in our buildings where we're leveraging uh, low voltage. We can, we get converters and we don't use power anymore. We save the cost of electricians to be able to come in and, and, and pull those wires. Um, and then at the same time, we're working with a company that has, that developed a soil that uh, that allows you uh, to not water your plants for over a year. Uh, and uh, what, what we're looking at doing there is maybe leveraging some vacant space and converting it into a garden for produce 
and do farm to market to local uh, to, to local uh, restaurants and as, as well as uh, maybe even get tax breaks uh, to go to the government and say, listen, we're actually now growing. The big thing over there would be the lighting. But if we can do low voltage lighting and uh, and then have an entire 10,000 square foot floor that is lit by, by low voltage with soil that doesn't have to be watered, at that point, we can grow anything that you want. Well, and, and I think the biggest story with you, though, is is the level of innovation that you're allowed to do or, or at CAR. I mean, you are walking the walk. You are not just you know talking about things, but you, you're putting them in there. You're swinging the bat and trying to figure it out. And I think it's going to take real estate owner, operator, developers like you who, and others on this call who are literally the ones writing the checks to build the buildings um, to, to really embrace this kind of stuff. Um, I, I, we got we got to take a brief break, but before we go, I want to start to get the questioning part of this going. So I'm going to ask you to give me a number, and that's all. So assuming that uh, first inning was when I saw that Japanese gentleman plug an RJ45 into a table lamp in 2004, and the ninth inning is, you know, POE, other forms of low voltage are becoming commonplace in buildings to the point where. 20% of the buildings, new construction, 25% are starting to really implement that. What inning are we currently in? Kim? I think, I mean, if that's the ninth inning, I think we might be in the seventh inning. I think we're wow. getting pretty close to to seeing the, the tipping point where we're going to start seeing double-digit buildings investigating the low-voltage side. Oh, that's encouraging. I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's coming. I try to keep my ear to the market. Um, yeah, I'm excited. That's very cool. Tyler, what inning? I, I agree with Kim. We're, COVID was the seventh inning stretch. Everybody's coming back to their seats, and now they're ready to get back to the game and see POE become a real thing. Very cool. Delon? Uh, Technology-wise, yes, maybe in the seventh inning, but uh, education of, of the people that actually manage the construction and uh, make those decisions to put it into the into a ground up or a or a TI or a building improvement. We're probably in an inning three. Great, Steve. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Ilan on that one. And and I think what's really cool though, and and what we are gathering because we've all done, we all have implementations under our belt, is that now we have data. Um, the nice thing about going PUE is that we get the data. Folks like Farouk, he can compare his energy bill before and after he did the Sinclair. Uh, hotel uh, and it's you know that's 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 fuel for the fire so uh, that's what ultimately people are going going to want to see they're going to want to see capex improvement and opex uh, savings so that's what we're, that's what we're driving Derek you know uh, like I said in the last 10 years there was uh, just under two million dollars of lumen cash proof of concept out there so I would have to say at this point, it's like bases loaded and about ready to bring it all home um, because there's just so many things that have broken the back of the older systems that, as Steve just said, we have the data. And there's so many of the national labs that have been doing studies and, you know, they've kind of pointed out where all the weak points are. So at this point, you know, we're one home run away from, you know, changing the industry. Very cool. Baruch. So since I am a developer and I see everything in a building beside lighting and sensors, so lighting is 20 some percent of total power consumption in this country, I still think we are in very early second innings. 
because I am privy to what's about to happen to electric motors. Um, I'm actually witnessed a company at a conference earlier that I've been tracking for two years. It will blow your mind away when you see a whole stator copper winding uh, printed on a PCB circuit, you know, that's powered by PoE with a VFT drive built in. It's like a disc that will be half a horsepower motor. So, I mean, I'm very optimistic. The future is great, but we are still early in this game. You know? right. Yeah, I, I kind of am agreeing with the technologies here, but changing people's minds is the biggest issue. Mm -hmm. And that's why we get a group like this together and, and, and fight together. Jim, what inning? Um, I was going to say seven, uh, because the combination of the, the fact that I can't buy um, uh, lights at Ace Hardware that aren't LED now has told me that we finally made the transition. LED lights are real. We see DC motors popping up in fixtures that are much lower power. But the other piece of it is like you can't find electricians anymore. We have a de deficit coming in this country of 60,000 electricians in a couple of years. So we, we, we're going to have to do something to, 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 to bridge the gap between these two. So, it, you know, whether, whether, whether in the seventh inning because we've gotten this far or we're just going to be forced to go faster in the future, uh, that's where we are today. Anybody who knows um, real estate uh, or owns real estate knows that electrical uh, issue. So we normally take a commercial break, but because we've got such a big crew here today, we're not going to do a mid-roll, what we call we're going to keep going because I want to I want to get at least a couple questions. And um, I know some of you had some individual questions, but um, I think I want to ask one more general one. And then if we have time, we'll get to a couple of those. So the general question is in and we kind of touched about it a little bit on the last question um, and we'll go the other way. We'll start with Jim and go around. What is the biggest impediment? What is holding us back the most? Is it technology? Is it uh, code? Is it people's perception of the technology, education. Jim, a couple words. What's holding us back to really let this thing fly out of the park? Well, um, if if you've read um, Jeffrey Moore's book, Crossing the Chasm, which and if, if you haven't, don't. There's only one thing you have to know about it, which is there's a, there's a curve in every industry that on the far left has the innovators and early adopters and far right has the, the laggards. And, you know, you, this that the, the far left of that curve is ready today. We're, no, that that part of the industry is not being held back. They're 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 re they're ready to start pursuing this because they understand the challenges. So you, you can't look at the the whole industry all at once. We're not going to get there. We're not going to get to the laggards in the industry. I don't want to name who they are, but they're they're going to come. You know, five to ten years from now, let's focus on the people like we have on this call who are willing to to to, to be at the bleeding edge. I totally agree with that. Farouk? Um, I, I think two challenges. A, the building owners are not very sophisticated. Technology adoption in other industries is much faster. And I think since I deal with AHJs a lot in cities like San Francisco and New York City, I think a lot of education at these city governments need to happen. For example, battery storage, which is, I think, the most innovative thing coming up uh, to replace diesel generators. But there is just absolutely no knowledge or no willingness to look into it more deeply. So we see a pushback. Some markets allow it and some don't. Uh, so since I'm doing projects, I'm just signed up a project in Portugal, in Porto. So I'm about to experience what is it like in European countries, you know, how fast they adopt. So I'll be happy yeah. to share that in the next few months and all that. I, I need to talk to you. There's another project going on in Portugal I want to talk to you about. 
um, that, that you may be interested in taking a peek at. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more in, 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 on the education standpoint. So it's incumbent upon all of you to get at least 20 real estate owner operators to Real Common IBCon so we can continue this education. It's, it's not easy to get people out of their traditional habits. We've been doing it for 25 years, but as Alan will tell you, you know, it's not, our in industry is not one that jumps at innovation at scale. It, it, it's a slow slug. So, um, Derek, number one challenge that we, if we beat, we, we get this thing. So, um, you know, most POE systems, I'm going to say, are probably applied in commercial space. And certainly Realcom is kind of the, the person who's helped bringing everyone together in that space. But what's interesting is the, that I not only wanted to address the commercial space, but also the 95% of residential building and construction that would never touch automation at all, right? I mean, that that to me is the bigger space. And when it does become ubiquitous like that, then, you know, all the commercial things can fall in the line. So the challenge that I looked at was how do you get the 95% of builders who say, basically, I don't want any of the smart home garbage, you know, in my things, you can, I'm going to put the AC lights in and switches, and then afterwards, you can change it out and do whatever you want with it. So essentially, it becomes a two-step process. The builder has to accept this platform so that later on it's available so that you can have the smart products built on top of the infrastructure later. So it really becomes even more difficult to implement and get into the industry. So what we did was we focused on what are the benefits to the builder? How can we deliver a system that is as simple as the light switch? It has to be simple, reliable, fast to install, now we can add some great things like the copper savings. We can add the fact that, you know, it doesn't require all the additional training and experience. So by building, by focusing on the builders and specifically, that's what has just, you know, sped up Changed the adoption rate. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then of course, at that point, the commercial buildings can say, oh yeah, I've got it in my house. <laughs> and, I agree. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, the home market is is something that we don't talk about a lot, but it is it is the 800 pound gorilla, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Steve, we only have four minutes, so I got to limit you to one minute. Um, the biggest challenge. Um, it, it's back to AHA building code. Um, you know, going beyond uh, POE and you know the DC lighting that we're talking about is is really, and we set ourselves up as an electrical contractor so that we can play both sides of the fence. And it needs to be more of a give and take, right? So, so if you're still mandated to put a hundred amp service panel in a 400 square foot apartment to drive a, a system that will never see 35 amps, then we need to then take our monitoring and take our DC and monitor the water consumption, monitor our energy consumption and say, listen, we need to downsize the AC side of the fence. And then that more than pays for anything we'd want to do on the DC side on the local. Totally, totally agree. Very good point. Alon? Um, I would say the generation gap of our development and construction, um, you know, not actually in the technology side of it, but the willing to take a risk and in, uh, in, in bring in and jumping into something that they're not very familiar with. So they're willing, you know, there's so many other components and moving parts in a construction and in a, and a ground up development that they don't want to necessarily give this piece, which is a huge component when you think about it on, on the electricity side of it. Um, and I think that that's our, our, that's our biggest gap today. Uh, everything else is going to flow in once they, they're more receptive to it. I've never had a group I agreed with more. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Tyler? Yeah, I agree with uh, Elon. It's perception. And, and 
it is a, a, an under, a level of education and perception by the industry just in general, which is why we've doubled down with MHT, Sinclair Digital, a lot of the big names in the industry to form the POE Consortium. I'm the vice president of the consortium because we want to get the message out there, help educate that this is an industry standard product. It is going to perform. DC will be the solution that you need whether it's through one company or this larger group of industry professionals that are coming through the PUE consortium. So definitely perception and education. Kim, we're going to let you wrap it up. Sure. I think what's been brought up earlier is that there is that gap between where the technology is today and what it can do, which is really pretty impressive stuff versus what maybe people think it can do or um you know where the education the market is i think there's some fear holding back this industry fear of the unknown fear of you know um you know is it going to be harder to do uh fear of designing it wrong so the pue consortium is designed to try to help build that out we were only formed in december of 2022 so we're a really tiny organization we already have 25 different companies who've committed in some way to joining this group um, so, you know, I certainly encourage your audience to also look at us as a place to help shape the market and hopefully help add a unified voice to push it all forward for everybody. Well, we, once we saw you, we we raced to find out who you were and, and it's not been, you know, you haven't even been in existence that long. And we said we want to partner and, and help you get this message out. Well, I, I will tell you again, I've said it. Uh, number one, this has been a long journey for me. So it's, it's special to have all of you on this call. Uh, two, Realcom IBCon is going to do their play their role in getting this message out. We're going to be having the low voltage uh, uh, symposium at the conference, two to three hours. We're working on that program right now. All of you, you are the brain power behind that event. So you know we are going to ask you to come up with ideas to make sure we get the right messaging to the to the marketplace. I believe it's going to be the biggest conversation on POE and low voltage in the built environment in 2023. So we're excited, um, and then. The other thing is, you know, getting the word out means all of us have to continue to push uh, and, and and not rest on our uh, rest on our laurels. It is a stubborn industry, as many of you mentioned, but I do believe the point of let's not focus on the naysayers. Let's focus on the people who are doing things. Have your own success, and then the rest will follow. Um, so, uh, I want to say thank you to all of you for what you're doing. Thank you for being part of this. Uh, Realcom Live, and thank you for the efforts that we're going to all put forward to make sure we deliver the next level of message to the industry at Realcom and IBCon in June. So thank you so much, and uh, really looking forward to working with all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Be well. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, 20, who thought, you know, everybody says in their, in their spreadsheets, innovation takes 12 to, uh, you know, 18 months in the adoption cycle. No, no, no. I've been on this this journey as well as many other wireless and um, enterprise integration. I mean, the battles that we fought over the years uh, have been long and hard and, and we're going on 20 years of my journey. And it was such a thrill to have that group of people on today uh, and to be able to uh, understand that this is taking um, getting some steam it is, is ready for the market to, to really understand and go at scale. and really excited to be part of that conversation. So let's bring Howard on. And Howard, I know we went terribly over. We knew we would. Too much good stuff. It was uh, worth it. Seven, it was, what a, seven what of the smartest people. Yeah. And, and, and a topic me, is, that, that should not, that cannot be ignored. 
Um, well, to me, and you and I have had this conversation a lot, you know, all this money, not just from recent days, but probably going back 10, 15 years, going into the energy side of ESG, the energy's conversation has been around forever. How come something this big, this obvious, that could solve so many of the, the problems of sustainability and green, how, how does it go ignored um, for so long? That, that to me is the biggest question. It is literally the holy grail and a lot of people seem to be ignoring it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just honored that we're able to really focus on it at the conference this year, bring it to the forefront, get these folks together, the folks that are really out there solving the challenges you know, of adoption uh, for this. I, I think it's groundbreaking technology that's, uh, that, that's really been making headway. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to thank you. Let I, me get out of your way, get to so the news honored. and uh, yeah. Yeah, same here, this. Same and, and thank you, Kim, Steve, Tyler, Farouk, Alan, Jim Baldwin. Special shout out to Derek for joining us. I don't know if you guys know, you came in from Asia in the middle of the night to be here with, with us here today. So um, now I, get a, I have a few news stories from our weekly news briefing. It goes out every Thursday morning. If, if you don't see it in your inbox, just go to realcom.com and click on the news. And you can subscribe there. So today's lead story comes from Luis Ramos. He's VP of uh, Information Technology at Woolbright Development. And he's one of our Realcom advisors, and it's it's on applying AI and machine learning to commercial real estate processes. Now, we're not talking about here is simply using chat GPT for research or creative writing. This is about applying algorithms to numerous everyday tasks, very tactical stuff in commercial real estate transactions and operations that require a lot of data and analytics. It's stuff like market analysis, analyzing maintenance requirements, asset valuation, managing leases, location analysis, demographics, pressure, not to mention cyber or building performance optimization, energy purchase arbitrage and, and more. Lewis has been incorporating uh, AI and machine learning for the past four years to optimize Wolbright shopping center portfolio. Uh, and they feel like they're just on the beginning of their journey. Uh, so if you're looking to leverage advanced analytics, learn about challenges and the lessons they've learned. Uh, uh, check out this week's article. It's a great read. Um, so for those of you folks who've attended Realcom or IBCon anytime in the past 10 years, you know, we do a smart building best practice showcase. We bring in about 30, 40 real estate execs representing some of the most iconic smart building projects from around the world, kind of in an environment where they can mix with attendees in a highly interactive poster session. So for this week's new news briefing, uh, you all met Farouk Islam on today's show. We're highlighting uh, one of his projects. It's a game-changing project. Uh, Sinclair Digital's 100-year-old autograph hotel retrofit project, a true DC-powered low-voltage building. It's one of the most significant projects, I believe, in our profile portfolio. It's pushing the boundaries of low-voltage buildings and smart building networks by using digital electricity and POE to both power as well as transport building system-level data. Hotel is literally a tech and innovation hub. It's a fully connected site. Every device has an IP address. AI is applied on a data gathered. And if you're interested in what Farouk was talking about and, and that next generation building infrastructure that truly leverages technology to drive efficiency and environmental sustainability, look no further than the Sinclair Autograph Hotel. Uh, next, uh, an abstract of a research piece by Jim McHale. He's CEO and founder of Memori. And it's on the top 20 build, excuse me, top 20 smart building startups by total funding. And it's disclosing the highest funded startups in the smart building space in the last two years. So since 2015, total capital investment in smart building uh, 
spaces globally exceeded 31 billion, and in the last year alone le reached nearly 6 billion. So Jim's team has identified 1,266 startups founded since 2012 that target management and operations of commercial buildings. And in this, what I believe is one of the best researched and uh, informative abstracts out there, Jim enumerates those top 20 companies at the top of the food chain in terms of total funding. In, he includes a description of the technology, the representative total funding amounts. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the ending by enumerating them all here, but uh, be sure to take a few minutes in, 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 for this important read. Finally, Johnson Controls and digital twin provider Willow are collaborating on digital solutions for smarter, healthier, more sustainable buildings. And they're going to be digitally transforming buildings and facilities by marrying JCI's open blue suite of connected solutions with the power of Willow's. Uh, Willow Twin Digital Twin Platform. And the goal is to help clients improve sustainability management and operational technology security across global portfolios. Um, so yeah, just as a, as a footnote, JCI and Willow have also entered into a go-to-market and licensing agreement for the collaborative use of digital twin technology patents that are currently held by JCI. So it sounds like a win-win for both JCI and Willow and for the industry. So with that, uh, that was just a few of this week's highlights, lots going on. Check these out more in this week's uh, briefing. Have a great weekend, and back to you, Jim. Great job, Hart. And I'll tell you, we are we are going deep on this whole digital twin conversation. The conversation's really been around, what, 15-plus years, if you go all the way back to BIM, gets renamed, and there is so much misperception <clears throat> about what a digital twin is and, and on the role it plays. So we are going deep. And we promise that by June, we are going to have a conversation on digital twin and data integration and visualization and analytics that uh, that the industry is really looking for. Um, it, it's time to stop just kind of brushing over some of these technologies and, and not understanding them. And we're going deep on digital twin and very interested to see what uh, Willow and JCI come up with. Something. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's not just about visualizing data in a 3D platform. I and mean, it's really about a data architecture uh, that with that rules and, and really, command and control. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's in a, a lot of respects what we've been what we've been a lot of respects what we've been waiting for. Um, it's one thing to aggregate data out of systems. It's another to be able to analyze and control based on certain circumstances. And um, I, I, the technology is there. It, it's now about education and getting this information out to the market. So, it is. And these guys are working it out. Uh, they really are. So I, I thank it. you for a great job um, on the news as always. And you have a great weekend. You too. All right. So before we uh, talk about next week's episode, which I'll do very briefly, let's hear from our final sponsor and uh, I'll be right back. I want to say thank you to the guests. Uh, as I mentioned, 20 years in the making, this conversation, uh, a personal one for me, a uh, topic I've been very interested in going all the way back to our trips to Asia starting in 2004. Um, thank you uh, to each and every one of you for your decision to follow this uh, passion uh, on low voltage inside buildings. I think it's going to have great results. 
thank you to the sponsors and finally thank you to our team there's there's the photo actually i i rummaged through some old photos to find this this was taken in 2004 panasonic uh, headquarters in tokyo uh, that gentleman right there lifted up the lamp um, took uh, that cable plugged it in powered it and uh, i was hooked ever since um, you could read the, the, how much electricity it was using you can see the manufacturer you could apply for the warranty it was it was a concept for appliances and actually right after that i wrote an article or maybe even before that called connecting uh, systems and processes and devices to the network and it was really this this meeting in tokyo that really spurred the conversation on here we are uh 19 years later uh, and we're finally seeing some of these ideas fulfilled so thank you um, for uh, allowing us to have this conversation so next week, um, we have got another phenomenal group of people. We, I don't know how we just keep finding all these smart people. We're gonna be working with the IBCon co-chairs, um, the, the smart building side of our conversation. So we got Arv Gupta, SVP, National Operations, Cadillac Fairview, Colette Temic, uh, Temink, uh, Chief Strategy and Product Officer for Blue Sky IBE, and Charles Whitley, VP Global Digital Leader, BP, uh, B plus B for AECOM. These three folks um, are so smart, bring so much to the smart building conversation, not just in theory, but in practice. We're excited to have them and, uh, and hear what they have in store um, for bringing to the conference in June. So with that, I wanna say thank you to everybody. You have a great day, great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday on Realcom Live. Be well.